You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm very pleased and proud to be bringing you an interview with Mike Wilmot, who is an absolute... Well, I think I described him recently whilst I was emceeing a bill that Mike was on. Uh, I described him as an ageing warhorse, and he was quite taken with that. <laughs> so um, that's the sort of territory we're in. Mike's been going for a very long time, travelling all over the world and performing to an excellent level. So uh, loads and loads to talk about with Mike. Uh, just a quick reminder that on the 4th of April, uh, there's the final Soho Live podcast of this run with Mr Ramesh Ranganathan, and we've already sold about 90 tickets for that, so there aren't many left. Get in quick at SohoTheatre.com and use the discount code FAF, F-A-F-F, at the website in order to get yourself 25% off if you're a big old listener of this show. Loads to tell you about in the gap. For now, let's get to meet Mr. Mike Wilmot. I was thinking on the way here, like, where do we start? You've been going how long? 20 years? Oh, more than that. More than that? I thought it was more than that. And I looked on, I looked at... No, that's ridiculous shit on, on the internet. Yeah. I said, no, this is 95. That's I when you... I came here. Ah, okay. I had already been doing it 10 years... That's what I thought. When when, I, I see when that all I'm sure you casually said 30 years. Like, I've seen you say that on stage, and I was yeah. like, wait a minute. No, no, I didn't write that. Yes, you know how somebody writes an article, then they just keep redoing it and redoing it until yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense, and I don't give a shit enough to change it. Okay. And now that I'm older, I'll, I'll lie. I don't mind it. Yeah. To tell you the truth. I don't mind it at all. So tell me, where do we where do we start? Because you have been you you're kind of one of the uh, the most veteran comics that I've ever had on this show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a polite way you of say saying that. that. I'm an uh, aging warhorse. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yes. Where was that? It was Shrew- Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. That's right. Yeah. And I was emceeing, and I said that. Uh, we, you, who were we on with? Tom Lucy. That's right. Justin, who was just? He was eighteen or nine. He's nineteen. Something like something that. Amazing right and me. Yeah, and you, you're middle, you're in the middle, middle ground. Yeah, yeah. that's what I felt. And Justin Morehouse, and I think I said at the beginning, we've got ladies and gentlemen, we've got everything. We've got a, we've got a young pretender. We've got Justin Morehouse, this really solid guy who's just got his first DVD out, and to close the show, an aging warhorse. Yeah, and that's then- me. I like it. Just you know, I got a little dust on my suit of armor. That's about yeah. it. But I'm still wearing it. Are you. Okay, here's a good place to start. I, I, I watched one of your clips recently, and I was completely struck by. Um, the it's not even I don't know if it's an opening line or an opening bit you do but you walked on everyone's clapping at you you walked on and the first thing's out of your mouth you went yeah yeah do you know what I mean <laughs> no I know which one you mean though I think that's Australia I think it's Australia yeah, yeah. I, I, whenever whenever they go to hullabaloo over you yeah I always I like that's just more of a me it's not like a joke that's really me just stop it come on it's a comedy show for fuck's sake it's one of those galas it's not as tacky as the uh, the Apollo one with the explosions and fucking sparklers mm-hmm. and, and that ridiculousness. But it, it, it was Melbourne. 
Yes. And okay. you do get a, hey, little, ladies and gentlemen. It, 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 and it, whenever, whenever comedy gets that big, I find it a bit ridiculous. And, but the fact remains that even if it's not a bit, it completely sets up who you are. As, yeah. an aging, as an aging warhorse, as a veteran, the fact that you would walk on and go, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, let me get on with this. Exactly, yes, yeah. Like, exactly. I'm, ti- I'm okay. running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what has changed in your attitude towards gigs, not just on TV, but gigs, gigs generally, the act of walking out on stage? I'm, has that changed in 30 years? All Do the you- time. All the time. Uh, my most recent thing... Uh, uh, would be uh, I'm 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 enjoying uh, uh, cooler things. I'm 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 enjoying um, open mics more now than ever in my life. Okay, and uh, and uh, I, I it, it took me years and years and years not not to be afraid to bomb and and you know I, I was really I had to had to give it to him. I had to give it to him. Now I don't mind if I go on and off somewhere. Um, I'm much more uh, comfortable living. In, in this character that I think just happened over 30 fucking years. You don't know what happened. And one day you realize, holy fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping this. Okay. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent or now. Like I'm, I'm full. Oh, you, you're Cut. sleeping it in the sense of you're, you're, you're the character you are on I, stage I'm, all the time. I'm, I'm now me. I'm now whatever. It took me this long to grow into me. But uh, yeah, now see now I used to always wear suits. I always thought I wore a suit to make myself look older, but I think it was more because I was afraid. To make yourself look older, I wanted to look older or more more respectable, like you know, so I get more respect from them. I don't know what the fuck was going on in my head, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, 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 in, in, in many ways, I think it was me just hiding behind a, a suit or something. But now it's now it's me. I'm more comfortable now on stage than I am any other part of my life. Like I, I enjoy it now more than ever. And is that? Something you said to me the last time we gigged together, you you would sort of, I made a note of it, I secretly made a note of it, in that way that comedians do normally about material. You said something about being 15 years into comedy and needing to scare yourself because you'd yes. gotten too comfortable with being good at that it. Was a, that was the big shift. That was about 15 years in. Okay. And uh, I had this, uh, I had a, a, a pretty bulletproof kind of show, and uh, which I enjoyed performing all the time. It was pretty tight. I still am lazy. I don't write enough, but it was really precise. It had a big closure. It had it had to be this way, and the first five minutes were crucial, and all that horse shit. And it was slowly driving me mad. And um, what was driving you mad? The about? boredom of it. I was getting. I was starting to get really bored. And um, you, and it was an unbreakable kind of kills everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, my, I told my buddy Rich uh, uh, Rich Hall, who said you you got to go back and scare yourself again. And he, and he was right. What, what made that first 15 years was the first five of that 15 years. I lived in utter fear of going on stage every single time bombing until I built an act. And then once you had one, I was so afraid of dismantling that act. The best thing I ever did. Was- so let, well, let's focus. Cause we've got a huge amount. We've already we've thrown up loads and loads of different things we could talk about. Let's talk about the first five years and how you created that act that you then later had to learn to let go of. So what drew you to comedy in the first place? Oh, I can't. That's too long ago. It's always been there. But since my earliest memories, I, I wanted to be a, a somehow in, in the comedy game. My father and my mother, both great senses of humor. Um, my father was very dry. My mom is, is Carol Burnett. 
I don't she, understand that reference. Well, Carol Burnett's a, a real broad comedian from the from the sixties. She's still okay. a, she's like a she's a royal comedy royalty okay. in America, and uh, and like Lucille Ball, just like she's up there, you know. And uh, I I just wanted to be in the comedy game, and then I think uh, there was a a, a midday uh, afternoon chat show that if you're sick from school. You'll, you'll sit with your mom and watch mm-hmm. was the Merv Griffin show. And all these, all, like, Pryor would be on it, like, uh, George, no, maybe not Carl, but it was around, like, in the early 60s right through to the, I guess, early 80s. And I think I saw, uh, I'm, I'm not sure which comic, be like an Alan King comedian. And I asked my mom, is that his job? And when she told me that was his job, that was pretty well it. What were you seeing in, and I know, admittedly it's a long time ago, so you may not remember, what were you seeing in that that was so attractive? Power. It, power, okay. Yeah, power. It, power, and, 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 and when, you're, when you're always, when you're sort of always been a comedian, like born to this crap, it's because you have a disorder. And I'm, I've always thought of it as a, benevol- a really benevolent uh, disorder. Like, I, 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 I don't mind... You know, being this because this is how I've always worked. But you took that, then you add power to it, and it's it, it's it's intoxicating. So, if you were were you as a kid, then if you were attracted to the power of it, yes, you can get away you, with murder. My teachers, I would I would get oh, my my life was greased <laughs> with comedy. Okay, okay. So, did you not feel powerful? before comedy, if it was the power that attracted you to it? Um, probably, I don't know. I don't think I ever shut up long enough to think what I really felt. I think it was all bravado and tap dancing, right, from the, from the get-go. I, I'm terrified of being uh, friendless and alone. Okay. Even though I was an only child. I need uh, love and attention from strangers on a constant level. Yes, constantly. Well, they, as you can imagine. This and is- I'm fine with it. Like I, that was the hardest part. Fuck stand up was getting over the fact that you're you're you to be honest with yourself that you're just you're just an attention whore. Well, this is it. This I think this is one of the most exciting things about you as a comic and about you as a as a member of the circuit. Like you know, you have this kind of Uncle Mike. Oh, I thing. love that. Yeah, but, well, it's clear that you love that, and it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. When we did that gig in the, um, in the we'd just been in each other's orbit for a little while, you and I, um, and when we did that gig in the Comedia recently, me and Jen Brister and Paul McCaffrey, oh, lovely. we all had really beautiful gigs, and then we all came down, we all came oh, out that's... in the dressing room and stopped chatting shit so that we could watch, we could get schooled, you know, and and there is something like you say benevolent. There's something really benevolent about your position in the comedy circuit, and I think there's something also benevolent in the way that the audience sees you. Like, you get away with murder oh, on stage. It's, 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 it's remarkable. Since a kid, since I was a kid, I could swear in front of my grandmother. Okay. Yeah. And she'd laugh and tell me not to, but that she'd laugh first every single time. Gotcha. I would impersonate someone being gruff and swearing. And people that... I swore in front of my teachers. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> it's just, again, it's just... it's It's, 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 a, it's a thrill. I still... Get a thrill getting away with this bullshit. I can't. So is that what is that what draws you to to doing the dirty stuff that you're known oh, for? Oh yeah, like, you're one of those people. You'll be on the nasty show in Montreal. But I'm not all... nasty. No, no, no. True. Like I don't find that. I think that's the ridiculous part of it. Like I think by coming up with the funny bit it takes the, the the offensive out. 
it's yes. been replaced with, 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 with funny. I think that's how everything should be looked at. Every horrible thing should be, if you can say it in the right way, it'll just dawn on you as ridiculous and you start laughing, I guess. Okay. See, so is it, I'm it, sticking with that for today. Okay. <laughs> that so, tomorrow, that can be a whole different thing. But is that is that what draws you? I'm interested in that process of what draws you towards the stuff that a lot of people wouldn't attempt on stage because you have an ability to deliver really kind of filthy stuff or sexual graphic, really graphic. Gra- stuff. I, I prefer it's not graphic. Just raunchy, it's, it's graphic. It's graphic. And um, it's, it's in the detail. But we're, we're, <laughs> but we're an audience of your grandmother going. Well, I wouldn't accept this from anyone else. Yes, I. But for some reason, we accept it from you. I got a I got a little old guy. Uh, I forget. I was out in Western Canada, and he came backstage or, or you know, out by the foyer. And I finished my act, and I thought, "Oh, here it comes! I'm going to get, I'm going to get uh, grief." And uh, he came up. He's got to be in his seventies, and this is many years ago. And he just walked to me. He said, "Kid, uh, will you?" What do you got a camera in our bedroom, you dirty cocksucker? And then he walked right by me. <laughs> he was like an old version of me. I think I might have met me. <laughs> When you say your life is greased like that, I understand what you mean, that you that it's it, it just makes everything it's like lubricant. It's, it's like a it's, social lubricant. It's like it's like have being funny is like going around and tipping people. But it, <laughs> but it's with with jokes and being funny and making them happy. Yes. Yeah, so you get to be because you've got the sense of humor, you're like a rich man that can tip everybody. Everybody. And I I, I you know, I, I make the girls at the cash or at the at the at the, at the budgeons. Yeah. Break up! I got all the all the people at the gym breaking up. That's how you do it. <laughs> Smooth sailing. So, I mean, and when on. you're off hours, you hang around with the funniest fucking people on the planet. Of course. So that's that's when you're not being funny. You're surrounded by funny, and if you're addicted to funny, and you find that laughing and giving people and and and, and enjoying making people laugh. If that's if you're addicted to that as I am, then there's no better there, there is no better currency. So is there is there any downside to it? I was thinking in terms of the, the like that coming back to that that thing of walking on stage going yeah yeah. You've obviously like I'm 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 what am I like eleven years into my career as a comic, and sometimes I find myself going oh this again this room again. Or, oh, that kind of heckle again, or that kind of audience again. And I feel tired by it. Oh, yeah. Well, the shitty ones will do that. But I, I, don't, I don't feel them. You know, I'll, I know the, the next one's going to be better. If I'm, if I'm having a sour note, it's, uh, I know that there's a room full of comedians I'm going to talk about or talk with or talk at. Come on, face it, talk at. Yeah. After this <laughs> shitty show. I, still, I think the green room is still my favorite place to be. I have to say it was interesting. More, more, every single time, unless I'm with a cunt, you know, but every single time uh, 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 hanging around with comics after a show, a shit show, a, a good show, it doesn't matter, is one, one of my favorite things as well. So it's, I'm surrounded by my favorite things. I really noticed uh, after this gig in The Comedia that you, you, it was one of the fastest uh, switches I'd ever seen from just destroying at a gig 
to being backstage with absolutely no visible adrenaline in you still. Do you know what I mean? Like, normally after a gig, if I've had a banger, I'll be, like, bouncing around the place going, OK, OK, you know, if I ring my, my girlfriend, my fiancé, I'll, uh, I'll need to say, OK, look, I'm going to have to ring you back in five minutes because yeah. I'm insufferable at the moment. Yeah. But you were on stage killing, and then you walked off and you were like, so as I was saying earlier on, back but, to us, you know what I mean? You kind yeah, of switches on and off. All, it's when it's so intense on stage that I, I don't know if this comes with age, but all that energy that I would have bounced around after the show or paced during or prior to the show mm. is now just in this fucking supernova time. And when it's over, it's, it's over. I, I, you know, I just want to, you know, I tell, let's have a few drinks and, and have a sandwich. <laughs> Do you, is there any part of you that feels you should grow up? No, no, no. I don't, because at first, uh, uh, it took me until I was 40 to realize that's horseshit. That's a myth that old people uh, tell young people. There's, there's no, I've never met one. I'm sure they're out there, but even, even the most, you know, like I used to think Kofi and Ann might be the world's only grown-up. And then he was caught fucking around. Like he's just a thicker with his dick. Like he's just a fucking... Another idiot. We're all just a bunch of... We, I don't think... I think the major problem with the world we take... First off, we take ourselves way too fucking seriously as, as humans. And, 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 and secondly, I, you're, you're going to die at the end. So what the fuck? Relax. How do you manage to remember that? And I ask this, this is a very personal question, personal to me. Like, at the moment, I'm about to have this baby. I'm feeling like my life is coming... Is kind of becoming incredibly grown up. I was saying, I was just saying to you two minutes ago, walking around London now, I'm really struck by how geared it is oh, yeah, towards you're t- you're the young. like a 65-year-old I know, guy. I am. It's I'm hilarious. T- I'm freaking out about it, and I'm going... Look at oh, these kids on their scooters. Exactly. <laughs> I've started to feel like, oh, God, I'm, you know, uh, I've been getting away with it. I've been living the life of a young person. Oh, God, I'm knocking on 40 now, and I'd better, I'd better be set. I mean, this is, you're the exact, I don't know if oh, I've made my, this... when my buddy had a kid, I said, you're just, you're welcome to the world. You're going to be a napper now. You changed if you never napped before you will now be a napper so how do you, and you're a father you're a grandfather i have a, i'm a grandfather yeah, yeah. just recently just uh, seven 18 weeks ago I, i've got uh, over 800 photographs on my phone of of and and here's what being a grandfather is i will not take one of them off the phone <laughs> they're they're all beautiful and little videos of her passing wind mm-hmm. i watched a little newborn pass wind i right where there on the phone while people were here, and I farted. It was like a response across the sea to, uh, the, yes, it's Grandpa. Yes, we called each other. It was a language. So what I was going to say... Can't wait to tell her that. I was, it's, yeah. When she's old enough to understand it, that'll, that'll get a big laugh at. I'm already working on material for my granddaughter. Hey, and the good news now is, now that you've turned your life around, you might, meet, you might live long enough to have that conversation. Yes, I think I'll at least see her when she's 10. Yeah. <laughs> you, and, you and Mickey D both, you are, you're the current success stories for like, getting to enjoy all of the drink and the drugs and the partying and then getting the tap on the shoulder. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, you've got to... Well, you know. I was never much of a druggie, but uh, uh, but I, I drank a lot of beer. I drank a lot, especially in this country. I drank tons of beer. And that's what gave me type 2 diabetes, because it's like drinking corn syrup. But, and again, I'm, I'm, comedy was a, another reason for me to get better to get physically fit and get my blood numbers to normal. It's hard, hard work. Um, 
is so I can continue doing my job. Yeah. How many people are that fucking lucky that want to continue? Most of the people my age want, are thinking about stopping their shit. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they make up something in their fucking head about sitting on a beach or something. I don't know what the fuck they, they could be thinking. But I, 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 I want to I, I do this for a lot longer. I'm just starting to get good at it. Like, I, 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 I think, and, and that coming to, there, comedy help, again, comedy's there to help me. Okay. So okay. it's this fucking amazing superpower. So when you... I bet I could get aliens laughing. <laughs> I I, it would take me a, a while to find out what they think is funny. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, it, it, would, it, it would torment me until I did it. So this is Mike. Absolutely love this one. You can just hear the joy, I think, in both of our voices. <laughs> really, really good fun to talk to him. Um, a little bit about my situation at the moment. I'm currently in a car park, wheeling the Boutros around in a little pram, uh, hopefully just sort of checking in on him, uh, on him every few minutes just to make sure something awful hasn't happened in that nervous way that new parents do. So uh, apologies for the sound quality and the noise of people revving their engines and slamming car doors around me. I feel like I'm in an episode of Daredevil and uh, the shit's about to go down because I'm hanging out in a car park looking suspicious. Um, Although I won't be dealing drugs, I'll mostly be talking to you people. So, what have we got to talk about? A couple of administrative things. If you are in London and you are a student at UCL, you might be able to do a favour for a lovely wee gig that uh, I was lucky enough to patronise recently. Um, There's a pub called the Jeremy Bentham, and if that's near you at UCL, sort of quite near where the Bloomsbury Theatre is, then Ben Lund Conlon runs a gig there called The Happiness Principle, and you should definitely get along to it. You can find it on Facebook, and you can search it and Google it and all the, uh, the usual things that you would do to find out about a thing. It's on the third Monday of every month. Lovely lovely little room really intimate fun thing he's stuffing it full of people and uh, i saw the brilliant ishan akbar on there as well he is terrific so um just a little note if you are at ucl i mean this is obviously the gig is open to everyone but it'd be really great if because you remember ben lunconnan was uh, he was the first ever podblin so i do owe him a lot i think we all do um, so if you are a UCL student or know any, it might be quite useful if you got in touch with Ben through the, the Facebook page of The Happiness Principle, his gig, um, and then you might be able to get in touch with him and say, yeah, why don't I put some posters up inside UCL? And that way he can worm his way in like a disgusting little furry worm. So, uh, and you know, the, the benefits there are lots of students get to see some fab comedy. So that's that. The next thing is thank you to everyone that's come to the shows. I, I'm recording this on Thursday. I'm about to do the wardrobe, the new wardrobe theatre in Bristol, and I've just found out that not only have we sold out, we've oversold. So it's the first sellout of the tour, and uh, they're having to put some extra seats in. Thank you so much. If you're one of the very many people who've been coming along to support the show, um, I expected that it would work the other way around. I thought that people would come from the podcast to see the show. What's happening more is that people are coming to see the show, and then we do this little Q&A afterwards. Almost everyone's staying for it, and then they're going away and discovering the podcast. So if you're a, a newbie who has done that, if you're a, a noob listener, um, then uh, thank you very much for, for joining me. Thanks for discovering it, and I, I hope you enjoy it. All of the episodes are available at comedianscomedian.com. You can join my Facebook page. Uh, well, the, I mean, I have... I think I have my own one as a comic, but I literally never use it. So join the Comedians Comedian Facebook group and you can find out about uh, new guests coming on the show and you can submit questions and I'll tell you little secret things and give you sort of a heads up on advanced stuff. You can join the mailing list, which is the same thing, but in a more compact twice yearly format. 
Uh, and I, I do also try and throw something... I mean, it's all free, but I try and throw something free slash advanced slash special in there to... Uh, to sort of salve my conscience at, uh, at sending you stuff, spamming you twice a year. Imagine that. What a bastard. Um, so thanks to everyone that's been coming. I, I would love to sort of individually thank all the lovely people who've been coming up and a couple of people have given me presents for the Boutros, which is so, so kind of you. Uh, Sarah Morgan in particular, thank you very much for that. Um, but uh, I won't remember everyone's names, so it, I can try. Who there was Sarah, and there was Brooker. Thank you for your card, Brooker. It was very kind. Um, and already my mind is failing me. I've had such lovely people respond so warmly. Thank you to all of you for that. Uh, the tour comes to Southend this Sunday. Uh, you can get all of the details from comedianscomedian.com for the next few places that I'm coming to, which include on the 29th of March, the Gulbenkian in Canterbury, on the 30th of March, the West End Centre in Aldershot. Those, I cannot wait for that show. It's going to be great fun. Uh, the Old Town Hall in Hemel Hempstead on the 1st of April. The 3rd of April is the Stables in Milton Keynes. Uh, the Ring of Bells at Bath Comedy Festival on the 5th of April. On the 12th of April, the Bicycle Shop in Norwich, which is going to be spectacular. Norwich has got such a good scene. Really looking forward to seeing that. That's a car. Um, on the 13th of April, the Cookie Jar in Leicester. And uh, I, I think we hadn't sold so well there, but I think that's because Leicester has just had a massive comedy festival and everyone's probably entirely sick of having people from London turn up and make them laugh so uh, I hope I can uh, uh, turn the tide on that one if you're in Leicester do come along and see that show it's going bloody well and what we've been doing is the hour whenever there's an opportunity to have an interval we do one so rather than a hasty Q&A after the end music as was the original plan I've been doing the hour of the show then we have an interval then I've been doing 30 minutes or so of new stuff like you know strong new stuff I just can't get that fox, chicken and grain joke working, but I bloody will. Um, and then uh, a more leisurely fun Q&A, which has is, been so exciting. Thank you to all of you who've been coming along for that. And here's a thing. If you are a promoter of a small to medium-sized gig and you're a fan of this show and you trust my opinion, do you want to get in touch with me and just let me know? I want to build a little database. It's not just so that I can force myself down your uh, throats as well as your ears, but um, I've... I don't want to say too much about it at the moment. I've got a sort of a half an idea for something that could be mutually beneficial. So if you are, I don't want to say small time, but if you're a a smaller promoter, obviously if if you're also the the people that book the uh, Los Angeles Comedy Store, whatever, (laughs) the Comedy Cellar in New York, if you're listening, by all means join in. But um, I'm thinking mainly UK at the moment, but, but globally that's acceptable too. Send me an email, info at comedianscomedian.com, with the subject heading Angels. Angels, why not? It's a bit Robbie Williams, isn't it? It's too late. I've said it now. Angels. Um, So send me an email with the subject line Angels and just tell me where your gig is and what nights you run it and and, uh, how you run it, what sort of level of acts that you use, because I might have a plan. If you're someone that... I mean, I'm not just saying, hey, everyone, make my life easy. But if you trust my judgment, and I think some of you listening to this at least, you know, you know me well enough to go, well, if Stu says it's good, it's probably good, brackets, it might be a bit weird and carny, I'll have to check with him. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're thinking of doing that, then, uh, then give us a shout. So, um, yeah, if you run a gig, get in touch, is all I'm saying, in my customary long-winded fashion. Thank you for all of your donations. I've been going a little bit... I don't think I've been pushy, but I have been slightly more making my point these days. The show is not free. The show takes me an awful long time to do. Uh, I pay Nathan as well, a pittance, it has to be said. Um, But uh, I pay Nathan for his hard work and the time he spends uploading it and editing it. And uh, it takes a lot of time. If you're someone who appreciates what I'm doing here, 
then uh, then please show that appreciation in a cash form, either by pressing it into my hand when you see me at a gig and whispering something cool, or more likely setting up uh, a recurring payment on PayPal of £1 or £2, or some of you are even paying £5 a month, which it just blows my mind. Thank you so much to all of you. Um, or you can make a one-off donation of the amount you would spend on a bottle of wine. That way, we, that way if you're a student, you could just send me £2 <laughs> for one of those tiny ones, or a bottle of crazy Jack the Bastard white lightning juice in a, in a horrifying blue bottle which i think is currently retailing at one pound 89 uh whatever you think's appropriate get yourself stuck in um some there's some ninjas talking in the background that was a callback to my daredevil car park reference this new series is absolutely fantastic um that's all of that let's get back to the absolutely brilliant mike wilmot there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, the supernova that you described of being on stage that that sucks all of the energy. That's like bang. That's the bit. That's the being alive bit. Were you experiencing that in your first few years of oh, being God, a comic? No. Oh God, no. So so the beginning years of you being a comic, you were. I imagine you sort of said a little bit that you would you'd go out there, you'd bomb, you'd try and work out how to be funny. And this is in Canada. I even tried so- being a crazy guy once. Go on. Yeah. Oh, oh, my it, God. It, it laughs. <laughs> no, I just went, you know, some guys go, because they're, they're, oh, look, he's loopy, like a Bobcat Goldthwait or yeah, yeah. even emo, you know. Uh-huh. I try. I have no attention span. I tried it once. I can remember the, the gig. It was a roadhouse in Toronto, in East End. And it, I lapped maybe a minute. And then I, did, I dropped it. I just, I just <laughs> on stage, completely dropped it. I, okay. I, look, I looked like a boob. But I remember bombing. There was a really cool room called the Rivoli. I love it now. But my my, I had such a bomb there when I was just starting out because it was cool and I was not. I was I was broad and like I am now, but not funny. Mm-hmm. But um, they weren't uh, rude or mean. They're not like in this country where they you know they can turn on you as a one-brained weird thing. Uh, they didn't make a peep. So quiet. I could hear uh, ice in drinks at the back of the room. I could hear back ice. And that to this day, when I play that club, I, oh, I tell the audience, the bomb is still in here. Yeah, it's right. It's in some fucking dark corner waiting to pounce. So let's get through this quick. So when you're this, I'm fascinated by this idea of you experimenting and like trying. Did you try other kind of nah. other clothes on as a comic, or you know what I mean? Other- no, I, I started. Uh, I think the, for the the main gimmick originally, I had long hair and an earring, <laughs> and I had a photograph of me smoking. Yep. In front of a no smoking sign. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was a savvy comic commando. Oh my god! Yeah, somebody wrote that. Okay, and I paid them to write that. Okay, it was my first time getting screwed over by someone that claimed to be a publicist. 
Just a some savvy asshole. savvy comic commander. Yeah, you'll love his wacky outlook on everyday life. Oh, God. I mean, well, fuck me. Are you kidding? <laughs> but look at him. He's smoking right in front of a no-smoking sign. And what an asshole. If I saw me today... Like if I went back, into, I I would I would punch him in the head at the end of the show. Get your hair cut. This I think is one of the most interesting aspects of you having been in the business for thirty years is the ability to look back at that and be so honest about it. Because oh. I, you know, I I certainly made mistakes in the first couple oh. of years of you know, and still now. I, the first but guy I got to do to an honest. Eight, first guy I got to do an eight by ten did family photos. I had one of those. It's funny now. Yeah. But it wasn't funny then. I thought, like, oh my god, I, I, you know, I used it because I didn't have any money. But it was like seventy bucks, and I, I just, it just was one of those like blue, uh, pretend <laughs> skies in the background that you oh, get, at, wow. you get at the Walmart and an owl. Yeah, <laughs> I just recently saw Doug Stanhope got his done that way as on a joke. Purpose, yeah. Holding onto a Bible, it looked fantastic. I should have just held onto a Bible. <laughs> it strikes me that someone. Someone listening to this, a newer comic listening to this, who is struggling to work out who they are. It'll come. It's, it's, I suppose it's always, it's obvious after the fact, isn't it? It's like, now we know you. Now we get who Uncle Mike is. It, you sort of, you can't imagine. It, it, what am I trying to say? That it's like, now we know who you are. It's impossible to imagine the, the if you're a statue, it's impossible to imagine anything else being carved out of the same right, stuff. Right, right, right. Um, but I suppose someone listening to this, and I often say that when I mean me, um, could easily sort of think, um, but, you know, you're someone who loves comedy, so it must have been easy for you to find you. No. It takes a long time. That's all. That's my advice to everybody. People are in a hurry now in London because there could be millions to be made. Yeah. Well, that's not going to help. And, and agents and managers right now are pushing the fuck out of young kids to get funnier. Well, they're going to snap. Or they're just not going to be that funny. It, it, take, it comes with time. It's, it's wisdom. You know, not everyone is like, you know, like I remember sometimes it's really quick. Like you, you see somebody, I remember Daniel Kitson, when I first saw him, he was funny. An MC down at that club on Rivington. Then a couple of years later, my God. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the light goes on, but you can't make it go on. You know, you, you just you just got to go on stage as much as you can. So that process, let's talk specifically about what you get from going on stage as much as you can. Because like, I, I just bring it to Comfort. my... Comfort. Yeah, go, okay, go You on. have to be comfortable on stage in front. Look, I've said this a thousand times, but it, I, it, to, to me it makes sense. Some people doesn't, to me it does. In a room of 300 people, you're facing the wrong way. Be comfortable with that. It's not normal, but you have to learn to be comfortable with that. And once you get comfortable with that, the, your, your mind relaxes and, 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 and you work. You have to learn how to work well with pressure, not against it. You've got to make that, that pressure make something instead of. Like when you're young, that pressure dismantles. It can it. shut you down. It yeah. shut you down. Yeah. But with, with experience, that energy is something to use, and it, it makes things better. So is all stage time good stage time? I think, yeah. Oh, you can learn something every time. Like recently, I learned uh, 
spotlights are important, and so is the sound. Okay. With the guy that I went to, and I, it was like the beginning of that Vietnam picture. Who's in charge here? I thought you were. Like, it was one yeah, of those. Okay, yeah. The, the poor woman. She goes, yeah, the, they just left her there. Someplace, the Cliffs Pavilion. But as, as I was on stage, I, had, I was com- commanding them to sure. do the lights here. And then the audience turned into an, an audience before my very eyes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I had to set it up. So to be comfortable, to be comfortable facing the wrong way to everyone else, is that something to do with taking ownership or taking responsibility for yourself? Like there's, a, there's an element of, of comedy that I find really hard, which is being able to admit that you're an asshole. Do you know what I mean? Being right, able right. to really admit it, to actually look them in the eye and tell them, like, you know, you're... you're oh, I find it very confessional. Yeah. And, I, and it gives me joy to get it off my chest. Do you... So I... Aren't you ever scared, though? Do you have any vestige? Do you have any part oh, of no, you that's that, going, that, oh, God, he, don't say this? No, that, have you ever? that guy died years ago. <laughs> okay, how did you kill him? Did you have to deliberately no, he kill just the died. guy? he just died. One day I was just on stage, just it's, it's just throwing up, basically. Just on stage, <laughs> yeah, okay, here's me. And you'll have to be, uh, uh, in, in many ways, vulnerable. Like you just you just let it out. Fuck! Don't don't keep that shit in. I do I do a bit uh, every so often about when I'm done about being a, 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 a uncensored comedian. Is uh, uh, when I'm done, I'm at peace, and and birds land on me. <laughs> <laughs> then it leads into a horrible Bill Cosby thing. But it, it's it's basically I've, I I do it, that's based in some in my truth. I I claim that as my truth, but I I, I do. I, I I feel a sense of relief when when uh, when you know it's not just you. Yes, but yes. Being a cunt or whatever it is, and people 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 tend to forgive you if you say you're already damaged goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So that's kind of a, a way into get it. It's saying to people, "We're all feeling this, right?" It's like you don't need to, you don't you don't need to say, "Hey, you know when?" Or oh yeah, or have you ever noticed? Yeah. No, I just it's not. I've, that's why I've never had problems traveling. In doing different countries all the time because everyone always asks me how are they the Brits compared to the Irish compared to the Canadians compared to the Americans compared to the Australians or what have you and I've never had other than the odd word here and there that uh, you you don't have or I I forgot um, I just talk about me it's very selfish I just just talk about myself fuck you (laughs) You know, I my whole life is for my family, but not not that hour. Yeah, for for, for that hour, I don't hear. A, you know what we need? Here's what we need. We here's what you need to do because we need this. I don't hear any bullshit for an hour. Your family, your your relationship with your uh, your girlfriend, wife, wife thing, dash person, wife dash person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you say that a lot. Um, you were you are really brutal towards that relationship and to her and to yourself in equal measure. Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I'm interested because, like, obviously I know you a bit and I'm like, obviously Mike loves his wife dash oh, person. 30 years, what the fuck? Yeah. You have to. And yet on stage you, you, it's not as if you, I was going to sort of say it's like you, you pretend that you hate her and that you wind each other up. But what, what do we you do? do? 
<laughs> but, we, we do wind each other up. That's part of the fun. But you're, there's something about the way that you say it. Whenever you refer to the old lady, it's so charming. Oh, and I don't know what people, it is. It's just got this incredible twinkle that people, you people have. People know it's love. People can tell right away. They can away. tell it's love. So yeah, they how can right they away. tell? How do you think they can tell? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think on that level. I think it, it just comes out because you're honest. I think it's just human nature. I think people can tell, you know, if you can fake that. Then you can be a billionaire, but if, but but if uh, they they can just tell, I think. So when it comes to writing, like this people stuff, that know Elaine, like when I'm with Elaine, yeah. uh, like she's queen of the women, like she she she's the ruler of all women, queen of the women. Yeah, she's a very powerful, powerful, independent person that pushes me all over the fuck. Maybe that's it because they know who's the boss. Okay, they can tell right away. Yeah. Would you let me be the boss? Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> is she, is she, she pushes you. She's kind of a motor in well, terms of your career, she, would you say? Not career-wise. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very motivated to, to, to travel and to work and to, to be on the road. I, that's all me. Everything else. Everything else is her. The, the banking. She knows I'm a moron with money. So <clears throat> she, I, don't, I don't think I've ever signed my name at, at the bank. <laughs> okay. Ever. And, um, but... Uh, yeah, she runs the house. I send everything back to her. And she lets me live. <laughs> so there you go. And in return, you get to run around being a... How old are you? 52. It's like being a 52-year-old boy, basically. Yeah, a 52-year-old child. Yeah. Yeah. Pre, you set that up all right, pre, haven't you? <laughs> pre, not bad for an idiot. <laughs> I, I think she wishes I was more motivated with money. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would do more uh, stuff for television things. Yes, but I, 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 it's horrible to say. I just I don't want her to do that. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I want her to get by. She doesn't have to have a job or anything. But you know, I'm not going to see anything. I don't even know how much money I make. I think I'm doing rather well. This is. I mean, it's it's interesting. I love. Um, I love, it's like, no one talks about money. No one in stand-up talks about money unless they're like, there are some people that we assume are doing incredibly well and there'll be like newspaper exposés of how much they earn on paper. Oh, you, the, you look at it and you go, this is bullshit. They yeah. haven't taken any, the percentages are all wrong or that people, kind of People stuff. like to see millionaires. Yeah. That, that alone would probably fill a, a stadium. You know, so blankety blank, wonky ticker, the world's richest comedian. But people would go see this because of money. Yeah. We're sort of fucked up that way. Like, I always assumed that there wasn't as much, that you didn't have the TV exposure in the UK that I felt you deserved. I thought that was because, I thought, A, that was, that it's was filth. a fact, and B, because it was filth. Yeah. Is that... Is that purely what it is? I mean, you're suggesting now, and I'm just trying to pair the, the jokes and the twinkle from the actual concrete reality right, of right. it. Um, is it what, what is it in terms of your ambition? Presumably, if you were ambitious enough, you could shed some of the filth. Or um, if you were ambitious in a different way, you could shed some of the I, filth. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I wish I found that interesting. You know, so it's something... That is a terrific answer. It, it's, I, I, it's, 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 I, I would... I, it can't be a curse because I'm having a blast. And I know a lot of famous guys and uh, their life sort of scares me. Yeah. They, they, they seem to be, you know, taking on like a, a real fucking responsibility, which I, 
I'm I don't know how much how much that's worth in money not to have that on me. <laughs> but I don't think that's again proper currency. Yeah. For, for for you to be mentally health what handy or what I'm trying to say uh, happy I was having trouble with happy but to be mentally happy I don't I don't think uh, money can do it I I uh, especially after a, a little bit of a health scare you you fuck it fuck that but you, you know you don't need anything but like I make enough that I can stop for a bit every so often. Mm. And that's that's pretty good. I wish. Uh, I think the world's getting easier for dirtier comics to get exposures. So I'm, I am going to probably put together something that could be on the computer. But yeah. even the way I'm saying that, you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> something that could be on the computer. Something that could be on the computers. Yes. And, and right there I saw you just glaze over. <laughs> yeah, right, Uncle Mike. Yeah. <laughs> You do you think, in some level, it's a defense mechanism against success yes. to continue being filthy? Yes, yes, major problem. Yes, yes, because you don't want that. Because you're scared of it, I guess. Because at the moment you're safe. Like at the moment, very safe. I'm in the dark. No one knows who I am. It's yeah, fucking. You, I'm you getting away be, with murder. You're at the very top of the that the non-famous of, circuit. That's right. So everyone respects you, but you don't need to risk being. I don't. Yeah, like losing that. Yeah, by and, by trying something else and, and, and losing. Will Will you lose yourself? Because I've seen a lot of guys turn into complete cunts too. Have you seen that? Yeah, I don't know. The I'm very lucky in that the famous comics that I'm close to are some of the nicest ones. Yeah, well, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that way too. Uh, with most, uh, with most of them, but um, uh, no, I just um, my favorite rich guy is is Ron White. Like he's handling it beautifully. He's he's an American comic. He was in the um, Blue Collar tour. We toured together years ago, and we're still very good friends. And he owns an airplane, and I mean not a Cessna. Yeah, like, it has a crew, and he flew from Italy to Nashville in it. So it's it's a uh, he, he's like Caligula, but, <laughs> but it came to him late, so he's having a fucking blast. Yeah. I think, uh, who knows? Maybe I'm going to go home and do something. <laughs> who knows? Now that I've talked to you, Stu. <laughs> always, always the most satisfying bits of the podcast are three months later when Uncle Mike brings me up from an island and says, well, turns out I made that computer special. I started selling drugs. <laughs> Got rid of this comedy horse shit. Christ, I've never felt better. <laughs> When you're um, when you're writing the stuff, are you a sit down and write it no. person, or you write it all on stage? I, I I I write write down sentences, and I ponder things all fucking day long. Mm-hmm. Then I go to an open mic, and I start scribbling rather quickly because the pressure is mounting. because yep. I have to go on soon. And then normally on a good night, um, it just comes out of my f- face, and I try to remember the funny bits. I can't okay. record myself still. I can't I can't listen to myself. I can't watch myself. I've done a little acting. I can watch myself act all day. That's fucked up. But when I'm out doing stand up and I see myself on telly every so often it'll be on. I can't turn it off fast enough because I just the first thing I always think is, look at the fucking head on you. <laughs> What's think, wrong with your head? Thinking you're all clever, <laughs> you comedian. Oh, fuck off. 
Oh no, no. It's 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 it has. I can only see it this way. So when you're when like to take a, a sentence that just killed me when I saw I saw you recently. You're talking about when Elaine comes home, she gets the the dog. Like you recognize that she's near before the dog does. No, that's and, true. Yeah, she's menopausal now. Yeah, so I can tell she's coming home before Jack does. That's yeah. the, the name of the dog. Yeah. And, and he's a you, bug. He's like he's an alarm clock dog. <laughs> And I know, yeah. You had a line about she likes to turn off her engine at the top of the hill and coast in yeah. to try and catch me smiling. Yeah. And that's just so powerful as a sentence. Women, women that like that stuff, mostly premenopausal and postmenopausal women are in the audience just loving it. Yeah. Loving it because they know I'm a, I'm a punching bag. So, yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely. scared of her. I'm scared, and I am yeah. scared to death of my old lady. She's that powerful. I, 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 I think that's weird. I like it. But that sentence, for example, is that sentence, just to, to pick an example from all of your stuff, is that something that you pondered and then had in, in that, that perfectly yeah. formed sentence came out of your mouth? No. It, or was that it, it kind of accreted over time and built up into that? Or did you write that out longhand ever? No. No. I, I came up with... Uh, uh, I think it was on stage right, with the... Uh, I just wanted to do, somehow. How can she come up? How can, like how can to make it how can more she sneak rid- up on you? to make it more ridiculous? Yeah. So I, I thought, well, coming home from a hill, that would be, and I could even hear the the, the gravel in my mind of the, of a very quiet car, you know, just on, uh, using gravity as she's yeah. and, and then I on stage I thought, well, what what's she trying to catch me doing? Because I'm you know, oh, oh smiling. What's that smile about? Then it made me laugh, and then I did it. Okay. It's hard to d- know a process after 30 years. Yeah. It's like jamming. I, I'm, I don't know anything about uh, music, so I don't know why I'm using that. <laughs> I continue with this analogy. But, but this will be very I've much heard, the blind leading the blind. I've heard musicians say they get lost in it. And that's sometimes that's what I, I, I get lost in it up there. That there's two brains working, two sides of the brain working simultaneously. One, keep being like a... Um, Tick tock, you know, you're getting you through the set, making sure. And then there's another one that's just like a little fly running around, like trying to pick little funny things up out of nowhere. And uh, sometimes they get together, and 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 you come off stage remembering every fucking line of that sentence. Yes, yeah. yeah. Those are my favorite, and it takes forever to get a whole act full of those. Yeah, because your, I mean, your act is really dense. It's super dense. It's one of those one of those reasons that you know you're watching someone who really knows their shit is that you have that, that sentence didn't sound right in my so, mouth I, at all. I, I, I understood every word. <laughs> well, I was trying to talk like Mike there, and it, uh, it, it ended badly. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> good luck, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but a way in which, like, something that gives the audience confidence, and something that other something that um, newer or younger comics will kind of watch and go, oh man, that's the stuff is the density of how much the funny stuff is piled on top. Like every new sentence is a new angle on a subject or a new look at that paradigm or whatever it is. And and so, like, are you constantly punching up from one gig to oh, the yeah. next? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I still have, uh, every so often I'll have, oh, that's that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. And then uh, usually the next one is not that one. Like, I, <laughs> I, it's never, I wish I was uh, uh, precise enough to actually have it all written down like in a novel or something. But I still enjoy some nights when, what the fuck did I just say for like 10 minutes? And it's all gone. And it shouldn't be. 
And but you don't try and write it down. You don't try and capture some, it. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. But sometimes, sometimes as soon as I'm off stage, I can't remember what the hell I said. I was at the old rope the other night and launched off into something. And uh, as soon as I walked off stage, it was gone. It, it, it's like making smoke signals or something. It, it, you, know. you see, someone like me in that kind of position, I record all of my gigs now. I've got into this habit of recording all my gigs almost like just in case I say something clever, just in case I yeah, say well, something it's smart. good. It's smart. Well, I don't know. It might be smart, but it feels a bit workmanlike to me. I f- it feels feel a little pr- bit I f- like... I feel pressure when I'm being filmed, like when I'm doing a television stand-up show. Um, you can't fly as easily. You can't uh, uh, get lost in it. No, you, you can't. No. Um, well, I do now. That's weird. The last few years, even on the big shows, I, 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 I don't care anymore. Just treat them like it's a room. It's not about them anymore. This is so personal now. And it's so f- for fucking me that I, I don't care anymore. Like, I care what the audience, obviously, clearly, but I don't give a fuck about show business at all. It's something more important now. So, uh, yeah, f- fuck it. It's, it's, well, when you turn 50, you, you really, you know, like, fuck off, everybody. You know, this is, this is, this is my time now. And, the, yeah, it's, it, it, the last few years have been wonderful for that. I've really started to f- mellow out as a human. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was made for this age. You know, maybe, maybe that was it. I, I think a lot of us are searching for that lack of giving a fuck. But it's almost like searching for it, you're never going to find it's a thin it. Because, line because you, have to, you have to give such a fuck. And at yeah. the same time, not give a fuck. It's a weird thing I'm saying, but it's true. If you go too far, then, 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 then you're no longer funny because you clearly, you forgot the point of this. And, but you want to, you, 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 if, if you don't give a fuck about show business and levels of show business and where you are, you, when, once all that gets out of the way there's that's when fun begins you know what i mean like you stop posing and you stop fucking playing this bullshit and you can just realize being in uh what you always wanted to be is you're so fucking lucky can you write to order if someone like like if you done set list oh many times yeah i love that show can you write to order if, if someone, if some TV show said, oh, we need you to do some writing for someone else? Have you ever done that? Have you kind of written, written for someone for, else? Uh, yeah, I wrote for a friend of mine uh, a few years back for the, um, he was hosting one of the galas at the JFL, Just okay. for Laughs. Mm-hmm. And um, me and uh, Kathleen Madigan uh, and, and him, we all wrote, uh, I wrote a few jokes he used and he read them right off the teleprompter. And I was there we were editing on, off the prompter earlier. Okay, okay. And I was so nervous that the jokes I had written got a laugh. I completely... I was on that gala. Yeah. I completely <laughs> forgot about my own fucking show. And then a couple of the jokes I wrote did gangbusters. I had one of the best... Actually, one of the best uh, uh, television sets of my life that night. Maybe that was a turning point when I didn't overthink everything because I was too worried about Lou. Yeah, you know? So when okay. I did it, when I came out, I was, I was in such a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> like you walked on having just smashed it, yeah. unbeknownst to everyone. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. I already had a good spot. <laughs> but that's only because uh, he's a good friend. But I, I've, I've, I've punched up people's stuff. I, there's a, a show in Canada, a radio show called uh, The Debaters, which is wonderful. 
And they give you a subject and you can be pro or against. It doesn't really matter what you really are pro against. I mm-hmm. like taking things and actually against and debating for the pro side. Yeah, sure. And uh, it's, it's, that's, that's, you know, that's what is the closest I get to actually typing. Yeah. And sitting because- in a room and having to type something. It's horrible. Because I, I, I'm hugely blocked by that. I feel like I, I try to inhabit a similar sort of process whereby I try and have an idea, I try and think my way through it, and then I get on stage, jump out of the aeroplane and just hope the parachute opens in the right way. And um, it's not a very efficient way to work. So I think when I try and write stuff, if I've got a, you know, I think I did the, the blame game in Northern Ireland recently. I don't know if you've done no, that. No, no. Oh, great fun. I mean, your, your role is... Often, I think the biggest laugh I got was they were talking about some some nearby town called Larne. I just, I was so at sea. I've got no idea about this, the intricacies of Northern Irish politics. And I just kind of went, ugh, classic Larne. Huge laugh because I did, for one moment I just embodied in a funny yeah. way. I don't know what the fuck is yeah. going on. But throughout the day or the week before that, I'd been trying to write to order. I'd been going, right, this headline, can I get something out of this? And I found it really, really hard because yeah. I'm a... I'm really a jump out of the plane person. Yeah. That, and trying to sit down and do the writing is, is just, I mean, some people are great at that. Oh, I wish I was good at that. Then I, then I could probably do more game shows or panel type shows. Mm. I'm horrible at them. Have you tried them? Oh, Have I've, you been- tried, I've tried a few of them and I just, I just look like a boob. I'm just sitting there and it just slowly gets so fucking English. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I just get lost in it. I, if, and I sit down with TV writers and, they're bored out of their minds, and and you're writing about things you couldn't give a fuck about. Yeah, I wish I. No, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Very to fucking hard. As, even I would have thought and you'd have found you know, it if I wasn't so goddamn lazy. I, but that's what it is. I, I'm I'm I enjoy being lazy more than I enjoy being successful. And there you there you go. There that that's that that that'll stick. <laughs> did, you, did you ever work with Matt Welcome? Oh yeah, yeah. Matt, I've, I don't know what he's up to now. I don't know if he's still gigging. He's in this neighborhood, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. I could but just everyone else knock is. on doors. Yeah, I'd yeah. find him before long. I always remember Matt having a brilliant, brilliant piece. I think I mentioned this on the podcast a long time ago. About he's got a wonderful bit of material about all that he wants to do with his time is sit and have a smoke and watch Columbo. So because he's doing that, he's never going to do anything else with his life and get successful. But if he were to get successful with his life, all he would want to do is sit and have a smoke and watch Columbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the punchline of the bit was, and I don't know whether I'm a winner or a loser. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just that. It's exactly that thing. I, 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 I agree. That it's a, that classic bit in um, South Park. Because I, 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 uh, I used to smoke pot. <laughs> and when I did, uh, it was, what did he say? Um, that it makes you want to do nothing. And 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 and, and it, sadly, it, it makes you think that's enough. Mm. Are you, you, you doing nothing is fine, and mm. doing nothing isn't isn't fine. You know, uh, I've I've I I, I travel the world. Uh, I, I wish sometimes that I could just have a smoke and sit in front of the TV and watch. Col- I can't even get through ten minutes of Colombo. I'm watching. We don't have a TV here, and I'm I'm watching Netflix on my fancy phone. Yeah. And I'm, I just started watching Breaking Bad. It's taken me four months to get into season three because I watch it in five-minute chunks. Then I walk around the flat. Yeah. Trying to deal with that because it gets me all nervous. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> His grandpa's having trouble with the fancy phone. <laughs> grandpa's having trouble with the fancy phone. Makes you go a little cross-eyed, too, watch television on a little fucking phone. Yeah, true story. I got to get one of them computer thingies, laptop, really. <laughs> that they have now. All my friends have them. <laughs> if, it's not, if it's bigger than a phone, I'm going to lose it. If, if I can't get it in my pocket, it's, I'm going to lose it on the road. What were we what were we told before I brought up Matt Welcome? We were talking about writing for um uh, for other people and the difference between writing to a specific subject when you're such when you're a comic who is kind of personality driven. Like right. a lot of your stuff is funny because you're saying it. Right. You know, it's not like I'm not saying that it doesn't work as a joke, but written down, you know, it's it's not it's no, not. No, it there, would, it would not. look ridiculous. I've often thought like what did I just do up there? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. So, nothing. <laughs> so when it comes to, like, starting points then, to go, right, what's the next subject? Can you only choose things that you're already thinking about? Or can you, can you kind of go, can you look out the window and go... I could, no, uh, I've, I've done a few shows bugs. where I've mm-hmm. had to uh, do that to some degree, but I always, uh, always bend it around back to me, using that as a really bad segue rather than a joke. Like speaking of light, like light bulbs, and then talking about my wife for uh, get lost on something else. I because that's me. I can't focus on. And if you can't comedy, my style is 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 perfect. Yeah, is that another is that another thing that's difficult for TV when you've got to submit the script and I would don't, know you don't I, no I don't I don't I can't I've never I I would. A friend of mine, uh, Derek Edwards, a tremendous comic, comic. Look him up on YouTube and you'll laugh your balls off. Um, Derek and I, over the years, have thrown ideas back and forth. But I think it's just more uh, uh, bullshit. It, it just gets the, gets the humor uh, uh, rolling. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll, we've come up with a, a million ideas that are all outrageously dumb and wouldn't work. Or, or no one will take a chance on. And over the years, you've, I've auditioned for so many bad, bad sitcoms that uh, even, even to, to sit down and try and write in a comic sitcom format mm. would make me ill, even if it's good stuff. I just, 22 minutes isn't enough for, you know... For funny, I, I I don't think I don't know what I'm talking about because it's scripts. I don't. It's it's apples and oranges. I don't. Being a stand up and being a, a script writer is it's it's two different, completely different for me. Completely yeah. different fucking things. I can barely spell. <laughs> I've always. You know how long it would take me to type a fucking hundred page script? But oh, years. I think there is a certain power in knowing, in being able to sort of plant a flag in the ground and go, nope, I don't do that. Oh, I, well, I do this, not that. I came up to the conclusion a few years back that uh, uh, to remind people that accuse me of being a purist, I'm not a purist. I'm a one-trick pony. <laughs> so there you go. If it's anything other than that, why the fuck would I want to do anything? This is working. I don't want to. I don't want to fly. No, no it's, this is like rock and roll, man. This this continues to go forward. Your your attitude 
it, or the the attitude in all of your bits. I remember thinking that seeing you in this gig recently, particularly you were doing the bit about Helen, you're a cunt, which oh, I Jesus. is just is That's so new. so yeah. good. Is that new? Yeah, I don't know why I'm stuck on Helen. She's been yeah. <laughs> Helen's been coming in and out of my shows. I'm having an affair with Helen. Is she a real person? Is no, she a real name? No, but no, there's no real Helen. I don't know why the hell you come across like Murray. Yeah, the guy is mostly Murray's. There's, yeah, there's Murray's <laughs> and Helen's I and Margaret's. Uh, yeah, I can definitely there, there, hear you say there's, Margaret. There's a Margaret, my secretary, my 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 pretend secretary, in in a, in a bit is Margaret. For some but reason, that's from the West Wing. Really? <laughs> that's yeah. That's one of the characters' secretary. He's always yelling, Margaret. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's where that came from. I got tripped up recently putting an older bit that I hadn't used. I've sort of dusted off, and it includes a Gavin putting it next to, like, putting it in a set after a bit in which I've already said something about Gavin. So later on, Gavin's racist. And I was like, oh, the audience were looking at me going, oh, this Gavin character's come back here. I was oh, like, no, the, no, oh, I'm just lazily improvising I, a man's I, name. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. I, I used to do one bit. What the fuck was that? I, I would say, oh, and every, oh, if, uh, it's a stupid bit, but I would make up a name every time. It was, like, fun for me. Yeah, sure. I would try to wing a name, first and last name. Every time, only because something as easy as saying George Smith. Yeah. When you're under pressure on stage, you go, who do you think you are? Uh, yeah. And it always had that, like, clearly he's trying, uh, Frank uh, the, uh, Smith, the <laughs> And every time it made me laugh for like, for like a year, I was doing that. Just yeah. a little joke for me to enjoy as well. <laughs> Well, who do you think you are, uh, Henry? Uh, 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 <laughs> and you don't want to say Ford or someone famous. And every time I would make me laugh, be trying to come up with a pretend name at the bottom right quickly. The uh, the the attitude. I want to talk about the attitude because it seems to me that a lot of your stuff is being driven very very hard by a really clear attitude. Like there's never, we are never in any doubt as to how you feel about a topic. Right. And like, you, this is something I was gleaning when I was watching you in Comedia. I was thinking, I want to be as good as Mike. What Aww. do I do? What's Mike doing that I need to be doing? I know that's, you know, that's the reason for the show. It's me going, well, what does this person do? Um, and it seems like attitude is, is really important. It's at the core of everything you oh, do. Oh, I think uh, uh, very important to have a healthy working ego on stage. Uh, I, I don't. I think it's, it can be very destructive off stage. Yeah, but I think on stage you can be an egomaniac. Okay. So for twenty minutes or an hour, I could be a full fucking egomaniac. But you know, you, you, you put it away. It's it's something you it's something you should use when you have to be at your best. And you, you don't need it most of the rest of the day. I don't. I don't bring it to the grocery store. Yeah. You're too busy twinkling. I'm over there by making the girls laugh. Oh, here he comes! Here comes that crazy old guy. So let's look at let's look at this bit. So the the bit that's working. Can we can we sort of butcher it now for the sake oh, of this? I, there's no bit. That's what makes me laugh. It's it's a bit of acting, really. It's a bit. It's a it's a bit. A bit, a bit as I understand it is, you've given up smoking. You're standing on your rooftop shouting "cunt" at your neighbours. Oh, to use the word uh, "cunt." Uh, yes, as because it has gravitas. It's got it's it's a it's still a word that has an effect. And it's I used to have every morning, I would have a black cup of coffee and a Marlboro Light, which now I can't do the Marlboro Light. 
Mm-hmm. So I need something that gives you a little edge. So every morning I crawl out my roof, have a black cup of coffee, and scream cunt at my neighbors. <laughs> and then I do this whole thing about Helen, the, the neighbor to the right, which my neighbor in real life, uh, uh, there's no one on the yeah. right. Uh, there's a gas station. And on the left uh, is Dave. He's an English guy. So I, wouldn't, you, I can't use real people. So I start yelling at Helen and her t- bullshit tropical fish, and Helen's a cunt, <laughs> and then... Murray or whoever, yeah, Oliver, yeah. it was Oliver the other night, uh, has my lawnmower. And I can see it now that I'm on the roof because he's a cunt. You're a thieving cunt, Oliver. <laughs> and then I just, it's just an excuse to say that word a lot. And then then I break it down to say, but I, of course, I've told them both that I was going to do this. We had a barbecue in the back. I said, look, Helen, Oliver, I'm trying to quit smoking. So starting uh, as of tomorrow, I'm going to crawl out the roof and call you two cunts. And they were like, oh, go for it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're trying to quit too. And then when I start going, Helen, you're a cunt, and I impersonate Helen, smiling, beaming up at me, and giving me the thumbs it's up. It's the thumbs up. And it's it, the it kills. Little it, thumbs it, up. It, it does, you know, like, uh, attaboy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a strange, that just happened. That, how, which bit of it just happened? How did that just happen? Uh, it, I, I can see the beginning of the process that you're like, okay, I'm, you're frustrated, you're on stage, you're talking about the fact you can't smoke anymore. I think it's... That's the attitude. Think, Fuck this, I've, I can't smoke you know, anymore. I, I think... I, I was thinking along the lines of you have to have something in your life to replace cigarettes. And you have to take the power away from... Well, same cunt in public. <laughs> well, it gets you off your neck fit. Like, if you just start screaming cunt at your neighbors, you won't think about having a cigarette, I think. Yeah. But the rest of it came out because I was living in it. Yeah. You know, you can, you can actually live in these stories for a bit, and you can see it all in your head. And it's interesting because, the, the, like you said, your real neighbor's Dave on one side and no one on the other side. You're painting this picture of you as a sort of a, an archetypal kind of uh, fi- guy in his 50s in a house with a wife. And you yeah. know, you're not painting a picture of I'm sitting on Phil Nichols' uh, tie-dyed couch you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, you're kind of contriving. About to drink a bottle of wine and skip the gym. <laughs> you're, uh, you're contriving kind of a version of yourself that we can, that we're expecting. Yes. Now you can't be too honest right. about the fact I know that you're exactly a road what comic because we don't know what a road comic is. We were at the Melbourne Festival one year, and I think Arge Barker put together. Uh, let's all the all the comics get together, and we'll go bowling. So we went to some 10-pin place in Melbourne, a bunch of us. And when I grabbed the bowling ball, everyone went, oh, this is going to be magic. I don't know how to fucking bowl. People think I know how to bowl. They think I know how to play pool. Yep. When I used to wear the suit, I, I would start playing pool. My buddy Derek's really good at playing pool. I'm horrible. Like, really, really bad. But you can drink while you do it. So I, I do it. And uh, everyone, as soon as I chalk up, They'd be after a gig. People yeah. go, okay, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, fuck, I, I'd scratch or go over the top of the cue ball. Yeah. And people, all oh, right, sure, you're bad. Yeah, yeah well, we want to play you for money. Yes, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm nothing, in some ways, yeah, I'm, I'm acting in this guy's suit. Like, I don't know, like, because I think it's, it's, it's there's, there's safety in there sometimes because... You, you, sometimes you're confessing. Sometimes you're just painting pictures that are, or are making cartoons. You know, it, it's it's part of the process. It's still part of it. But I, I, there is part of me 
that wants to scream cunt at people. But it, that's not funny. But if you do it, that they're helping you. That's funny. Yeah. Like, that's the extra thought. There's, there's um, the extra... Sorry, go and say that again. That's the extra thought. That's the bit that nudges it over into yeah. something else. That, that, that removes... Like, I know a few people that would just end it there, would just scream cunt a few times. And, like, they're aggressive. And, but I don't find that... I think it's funnier... If if you if you if you take the teeth off of it by yes. making it, remi- it has, making it ridiculous, it has a little. But it's not just ridiculous; it's kind. Oh, that's well. why it's funny. Well, you have to see it the bit, by the way, because I do mind the thumb up very. Oh, I mean, it's really I, good. Helen. You realize immediately, <laughs> Helen is the sweetest neighbor <laughs> in the world. <laughs> you, it's there's there's kindness in it. And there's so so with your with it's your people who need people <laughs> with your with your persona. I think that's hilarious. People think you can play pool. Of course they do. I think you can play pool. No, horrible and bowling. At worse. some point, you, the real you, has taken over, or the stage you has taken over, or you've incorporated the stage. you. I am Spock. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's. I like know. That. It's exactly what that is. I am Batman. I am Spock. I am Mike Wilmot. You know, I, pre- the, I am Mike Wilmot. I also portray Mike Wilmot <laughs> in my evening hours. <laughs> what things do you, this is one of my favorite questions. We'll wrap up shortly. All right. What things do you, or are there for someone as happy, for as happy a comic as you, um, what things are there that you see other comics do that you think, I wish I could do that? Oh, I'm horrible for that. Almost every every comic I love and respect, I uh, I am envious of. I wish I could do, uh, but like Sam uh, Simmons, I I adore Sam Simmons. He he, you couldn't get more polar opposite. Uh, uh, he kills me. My best friend, uh, two of my best friends in the world, Rich Hall and Derek Edwards, both fucking brilliant minds. And and, and and tremendous writers and an understanding of the language I will never, ever have. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm happy with me being me, but I wasn't forever. I wish I could be other comics forever. Like for the, for the first 10 years anyway. I yeah. wish I, and then you settle in. Okay. And realize, well, this is the, this is the, this, I always love the analogy, the, the life's a game of cards. Oh, by the way, I don't play card poker either. <laughs> so, uh, or smoke cigars. I worst, I used to eat them. I was the worst cigar smoker ever. I bought into my own character once and actually started smoking cigars. It lasted like a week. It's horrible. It, it tastes like shit. And, um, I forgot where I was going. You were saying that your, um, I hope it wasn't about focusing. <laughs> <laughs> you very could have, could well have been. Or the problem with focus is, oh, where was I? <laughs> um, things that you want from other people. Oh, oh, being envious of other people. Being envious. That's right. I, I just and then one day you you you, you fall into uh, you fall into yourself quite if you're lucky comfortably. Well, this is it. If you're lucky, like you certainly what you're describing is you fell into yourself. Yeah. Do you see other comics? Do you see when that moment happens for other comics? Oh, yeah, I around think it's. You? I think it's. I think it's. 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 Uh, it's the the most important step of the many steps to learning how to be a stand up is learning how to be comfortable in your own skin. I think in life, 
I think you, 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 you live a better life if you're comfortable in your own skin and learn to be comfortable in your own skin, to, to try and improve yourself as a human. Not, if you're out there and you, 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 you're a killer of dogs, okay, <laughs> don't be comfortable with that. <laughs> don't convince yourself, I'm happy, I'm a dog killer, I go around the neighborhood at night and I strangle dogs, I'm happy. Don't do that. But, you know, but, but be, be, with comedy specifically, be happy in your own voice. You know? And do you, see, do you see people not find their voice? Oh, do you see years. people who've been going on for a long time for and years you're thinking, and years. That, when are they going to get there? No, yeah, for years, people, they put up, uh, they, they think it's, uh, you can't see the wall, but I, I, can see, I can see the difference between a person that's uh, who's got a wall up. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying comedy is truth. That's, that's the biggest lie uh, of all of them. It, it's, 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 it's truth in, in, in the performance. That you're fucking there. And, you know, that, that gives it the excitement of, a, of watching a tightrope guy, you know, or a girl. And, uh, but if, if it's not, yeah, you can tell. People are, are hiding or, like many, they're, they're posing as comedians. And do you think... Do you think- someone can pose as a comedian and still have the wall there and be successful? Yes. Or you do? Yes. Or do, you, or do you think that, like, if anyone who's out there who's playing arenas must necessarily have found the truth, that's why they're successful? Uh, I, I think it's... I think it's. I, I don't think there's any hugely successful uh, comedians that... that uh, like, I'm, I'm basically, I'm trying to... I think you can't be a stiff, you know? We can tell you're hiding something. Mm. Or I can you know, find, be honest with yourself. If you're a bit of a whore, talk about you being a bit of a whore. You know, if you're, if, if you're a bit damaged, talk about the damage. But if you're a one-liner guy, then even in one-liner guys, you can see themes of, of the person behind the playfulness of that person. When you see Stuart Francis or, or Milton Jones or, or, or Tam Vine, you, you, you know that they're, they're, they're singing in there. They're singing a song, and it's beautiful. But some comics, there's no song. Last question, then. What would you have engraved on your comedy gravestone? Uh, Good night, folks. So that was Uncle Mike. Thank you very much to Mike for coming on the show. I, I mean, I think my enjoyment of that episode is, uh, uh, is apparent uh, when you listen back to it. I, I had so much fun. It was very kind of him to come on. Uh, do make an effort to see him. He's got some great stuff online and uh, from various galas and so forth over the years. But if you'd like to see the ageing warhorse in person, there really is something very special about being in the room when Uncle Mike is working it. So uh, do seek him out live and look in all the usual Google-type places to find out where and when that might be. Um, thank you to Nathan Wood for uh, editing the show and thank you to Emily Crosby for being my very kind logging podblin. Uh, next week, I think we're going to go with Seymour Mace and then coming up very soon, uh, Romesh Ranganathan, of course, uh, which we're recording on the first Monday in April. That's the last of the Soho Live ones. There's an extra special guest coming soon as well. Uh, and we've also got, who have we got? Seymour and Abigailia in the can as well. Those will be coming out very soon. And then I'm going to have to start. Uh, these. A lot of these have been pre-records, the non-live ones. So uh, I have been quite happily getting on with touring. It's conceivable I might take a two-week break just to get my breath back, um, but I, at the same time, I will also probably forget that and keep knacking through the chats. <laughs> Hashtag chat knacker. Don't actually do that. That's horrible. Um, so that concludes the podcast, and if you'd like to stay around for the waffle, that begins in a moment.
Okie dokie, I'm going to make this brief, famous last words. I'm so tired. I drove 360 miles yesterday. I drove from London to uh, Manchester, did a phenomenal show there. Thank- I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I had a phenomenal time. I think everyone, that most people that came seemed to very much enjoy it too. I was so great. Um, and what the show has coalesced into now, if there is the opportunity of an interval, it has become an hour, the hour, and then a break, and then sort of 20 to 40 minutes of strong and strongish new stuff, and some, you know, some random dafties here and there that don't work, uh, and then the Q&A for the podcast. So it, it's just been so much fun. Oh, man, I'm tired. I did that. I came off stage. I saw some lovely friends of mine, Corinne and her husband and uh, Hassan from the olden days. Lovely Dave as well. Um, really nice to be back in Manchester and go, God, yeah, I used to live here. Seems like a million years ago I was drinking uh, with lovely John and Noel in uh, in the sandbar, and I really had a. <laughs> as I, I mentioned this on Facebook, as I drove home, so I've done so whatever it is, two hundred and three miles London to Manchester, and then I drove back to Bristol afterwards. So that's another one hundred and seventy or something like that. And as I drove back, I listened. I, I turned on the radio, and for some reason it was on Radio Two, which I don't normally listen to, um, and. Um, Graham Norton was interviewing the Pet Shop Boys. It was like a retrospective, which I think is already the name of one of their albums. And I suddenly thought, I used to love the Pet Shop Boys. And I really, like, I probably played actually to death when I was a teenager. And then I was just like, for some reason, they sort of dropped out of my consciousness. So I thought, oh, bloody fire up Spotify and have a bit of a, uh, uh, whatever it is, a nostalgia trip on the way home. And oh my God, I mean, maybe it was just exhaustion, but I had a three-hour drive uh, in which I experienced waves of emotion. I was si- not just, I mean, I, I started off with them and then I kind of moved on. I'm not going to tell you some of the mawkishly sentimental stuff that I uh, that I moved on to. Um, I, and besides the Damien Rice stuff, I don't consider mawkish. I think he's bloody great. Um, but there was some real, oh, mawks, mawks are lordy. There was a lot of that. But I properly had like an old school pre-Boutros singing, crying, <laughs> emotional roller coaster on the way back. Just, I mean, a happiness, mo- almost all of it happiness. And just, just the kind of, there was something about the Pet Shop Boys song Jealousy, which I never even listened to at the time. I don't even know when I've heard it before. That just, twa- you know when a song just twangs your, what's it, is that a Chris Morris phrase? It tweaks your central nervous system. And you go off like a rocket, you know. I was just jangling, and um, I mean, I, you know, you know, I've I've been a, a, the walking to the shops to get milk. It could be an emotional roller coaster for me, and it, it certainly has been in the past. So much happier now, particularly now that I'm out of the the first six weeks. He, the Boutros was eight weeks old today, and the grind period of just like being a service provider has has seems to be, you know, now he's he's reacting and stuff. So I'm a lot happier. I'm I, I think. I will listen back at some point to all these horse-based waffles, and I'll um, and I'll probably go. God, it was, it was quite tough, wasn't it? Much, much more chipper now. So driving back, I kind of experienced a, a sort of pre-Boutros weep. I used to do that. I used to I used to weep in the car a lot, not in a not in a bad way. And I used to sing in the car a lot. And I used to have mad moments of sort of looking. I tried to write jokes about them one year, and then no one ever really quite got what I meant. Um, there's a bit on the new album, which is the old show, Extra Life, the 2014 show, which I'm going to release very soon. And I'll tell you all about that when I do. Don't you worry about that. 
Um, but there's a joke at the beginning about seeing a pigeon when I'm in the car and that and, and talking to it. I won't give anything away. But it that moment was sort of what came out of a real attempt to write about the experience of being in the car and, and driving alone and what have you on a sunny evening and having one of those moments when you're listening to particular music or just lost in your thoughts when you, and I say you, <laughs> this is as always the danger with observational comedy or the danger with revealing yourself. Maybe you don't have this at all, but Jesus, I used to have these a couple of times a month. I would just feel like elevated, like someone will inevitably <laughs> email me and say, uh, this is a, uh, this is megalomania or this is some sort of psychological condition about which books have been written. But you have moments of just being of just feeling so connected to the world, to the universe, that it's almost like a synesthesiac sort of reaction where you just weep for joy. Does that not happen? <laughs> Probably it doesn't happen. But it used to happen to me a lot. It hasn't happened for a while because, funnily enough, because I've been so happy. I've been happy in a stable way rather than lurching from from huge heights of, you know, rather than kind of base jumping from a mountain of joy to the sort of pits of despair. Um, and uh, so I've been much more stable and happy in a sort of calm, stable, long-term way. And so last night, all of this stuff just rushed out. This wasn't what I was going to talk about at all. And it's, I mean, it's more than usually self-indulgent, <laughs> which I, should, I feel like I should be able to tag like The Guardian on the end of that. Um what did I think would be a, a good? It's not title stuff. The title's locked down now. Um, but I did think of a sentence. Well, the uh, the Stuart Goldsmith, the illusion of humility. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that'd be good. Maybe for something one day. So, and um, that's why I thought of that. Okay, this is what I was actually going to talk about when I'm not spouting about the, sort of uh, the the, the uh, Christ, whatever you want to call it. That, just the sort of the, the profound connection to the infinite that you you just laugh and weep for joy and then laugh at yourself as you come down from that moment. It doesn't last long. As you come down from it, you go, oh, I mean, that is ridiculous and this is this is why I am like I am, isn't it? And maybe in... I always think maybe, like, in a medieval village, I wonder whether I'd have been a sort of a soothsayer <laughs> because I'd have been... People have been like, why is the blacksmith weeping for joy? <laughs> I've got, just, I think I might have just had a vision uh, in which I'm God. So <laughs> I don't think I'd have been a soothsayer. I think I'd have been drowned, and rightly so. So I did some gigs last Friday, and this must be fallout from being on tour and performing in lovely full rooms of people who are there to see me, or at least to give me a try, you know. When you go back to doing not only a regular club gig, that can be super fun because you're uh, super fun, hyper cool, um, because, because you're... Uh, you're back, you're like, hey, it's it's only 20 minutes, I'm just going to do all the funniest bits and bash through it, that's great. Any wonky club gig situation, or, or a weird gig, I'm trying to sort of describe a gig without naming it, because it's, it's not to do with the, the people or the setup or anything. I did a little funny old gig, and, oh, God, it keeps you humble, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? Guys, I've just rolled in from doing my own show. Oh, none of you care. And you're looking at me and you've never left this village. And so my jokes about uh, Costa Coffee and Wagamama mean nothing to you. And uh, the sort of slightly risque jokes that allude to hallucinogenic drugs. No, nothing. Nothing here. OK. It was a, a slightly weird environment with a slightly unusual sort of an audience. 
And yet I decided sort of as a tack, I kind of walked in and my opening move, my opening gambit was sort of like, Jesus Christ, this is so weird. They didn't really go with that. They were all very well lit, you know, so they all felt self-conscious and I could see all their faces. So I felt self-conscious. And it was just one of those environments of going like, God, how are the previously self-diagnosedly mighty fallen? Um, but, you know, I absolutely got away with it. But it's, you know, have you, do you do that? Do you drive to a gig thinking, I've got so much new stuff I'm going to do. Strong new, strong new stuff. I'm going to do my strong new stuff. And I'm normally quite good at pushing myself to do the strong new stuff in the middle of a, a proper paid club set. I have enough confidence in my ability now that I don't think you'd know. And, um, and then sometimes you turn up and you walk in the door and you go, right, strong new. No, 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 no. Old gold from here on in. I sort of made that decision on stage and I was disappointed in myself. And I was trying, I was driving away thinking of what Zoe Lyons said about, hey, you know, the, the times after a tough gig, the times of feeling bad after a tough gig diminished and diminished and diminished. And I did manage to get over it pretty quickly. But um, it was for all that, I just, I don't know why I mention it. I suppose I'm doing quite a lot at the moment. I'm doing a lot of the self-promotion. I've just mentioned this, this gig I'm doing in Bristol tonight. We've oversold, there, there, there will be more people in this new venue than have ever been in this new venue. I'm still you know, legally licensed and all the rest of it, but... But pretty, uh, pretty. I'm really excited about that. And I mentioned it on Facebook and I sort of said in brackets underneath it, does this sound dickish? Because I haven't quite perfected that voice that comedians, a lot of comedians manage to do quite artfully, where they show, and some, and some do with no art, uh, where, you, where you sort of show off a thing that you're doing whilst also appearing humble. It's not quite a humble brag. I mean, I suppose maybe it is, maybe it's a textbook definition of a humble brag. But some people are very good at being like, oh, God, what all these thousand people that have booked to see my sellout tour show are going to find out what a dick I am, guys. <laughs> and I do mean some people are genuinely good at doing that. Um, and I just don't think I do. I don't think I engage enough with Facebook. And I, I just don't want to get into Facebook arguments. I, I, OK, last thing. I posted a, a thing on my personal uh, page about it's something like 36 things that men can do like feminist men can do to actually help because I'm I'm sort of tired of going look I'm a feminist but I don't know what to physically do or I don't I don't like to involve myself the 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 one that that chimed with me most uh uh, uh the one that chimed with me most um, was saying that to be a to be a proper ally to be a proper feminist one of the steps you don't have to abide by these they're not official it's just one person's opinion but I I I liked the cut of their jib is that you have to involve yourself in arguments. You have to interject. It's like that thing about that um, a clip recently about you can't just be non-racist. You have to be anti-racist. And I completely believe that. I was like, oh, my God, of course. Had never sort of seen it through that perspective. It's not enough to be anti-misogynist. You have to be or, or pro-feminist. You have to be actively pro-feminist. And so one of the one of the steps on this big list was that you should involve yourself. You should check other men when they're saying sexist things and you should stand up for feminism. I mean, it's sort of obvious. But I don't want to get drawn into Facebook arguments because what's the point? I don't have enough time as it is. And no, does anyone's mind get changed as a result of a Facebook argument? So I really, I mean, you know, I, I want to do it. I mean, it'd be easier to do that one than the suggestion like step number 32, which was give up a nominal third of your, or whatever it is, 23% of your income to a social activity charity, a socially active charity, as a nod to the fact that women get paid less. I mean, that is going to burn. <laughs> I don't think I can afford to do that and keep my family in one piece. 
Um, but again, it's one of those ones where you really you go, come, come on, this is preposterous. And then you think about it, you go, no, I mean, that would just be the, the least I could do, given the sort of huge unfairness of, uh, of fractionally more than half the world getting paid that, whatever it is, 23% less. So um, anyway, I've got off point. The, the point was, do I have, do I really have to involve myself in Facebook arguments? Can't I just decide to pipe up in public if people say sexist things? I try to do that. Maybe I'll try and do that harder because the, the, God, why would you speak to anyone on Facebook? And what, how we got onto this is because, not, I don't mean how would you speak to, why would you speak to anyone? But people are very, these days people are either digital natives or they're very digitally, um, uh, experienced. And I don't feel that I am. I prefer, I'm not like on one end of the scale, you've got Alan Cochran, not on Facebook, hates social media, gets on with his life. And I, he's a mentor for me, always has been, and he's a really good friend. And I want to be like that. On the other end of the scale, you've got people who are very, very like, you know, say Reese James, who a brilliant joke writer, very, very funny on Twitter. And it's just all over it, social media wise. And then I think, you know, I often sort of see myself as someone who's in between those, falling in between those two stools. <laughs> just called those men stools. Sorry, guys. Um, and I, I sort of like, I don't want to bang on about stuff, but I do want to make people aware about things and I don't want to spam people. And God, is it all pointless? And I certainly don't want to involve. I often read arguments and think that person's an idiot, that person's an idiot. But I'm glad I'm not engaging with this argument because you're not going to change anyone's mind with the with the written word that is not the motto of today's episode what i mean is i think i've got a better chance of changing someone's mind conversationally face to face and you you reach far fewer people like that anyway that'll do <laughs> i don't even know if that's do you know what i sometimes put off recording these because i think what am i going to talk about today i've got no idea and i think we're we're learning it is just a ramble isn't it so I think I'll just start saying anything. I'll stop worrying about preparing them and then I'll start saying anything and then it'll become what it is. Well, that's what it was today. More to come next week. Get your tickets for Romish with the Faf code if you fancy it. Soho Theatre, bestseller that one so far. Gorman was really full and Romish is going to be even fuller already. So why not bloody get these last... What is it? We're on 91. I think you can, I think you can technically squeeze 140 into that room. Um, but it feels full with 70, so it's going to be rammed. Uh, let's let's really pack it out, guys. Guys and girls. No, not girls, women, men, people, people. Guy, I'm using guys to mean both men and women, and I don't mean that to be sexist, but it probably is. Sorry, everyone. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.